Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Movie Nights Podcast. I'm Dalton Burdett and Ryan Warner is not here. Uh, in Florida right now, um, Hurricane Dorian is sort of happening, sort of not happening, but either way, um, Ryan lives across the city and he, you know, we both agreed like, hey, let's not, you know, risk driving over for hurricane preparations, just, you know, it's fine, I'll do it solo today. So, it's just me. But um, that's not going to prevent me from trying my best to put on a good show, even though it's probably not going to be as good, because when I'm by myself, I tend to ramble and talk too fast. But I will try to slow things down. So, without further ado, here we go into our first story of the day. Well, actually, before we get to that, I do want to say that um, starting on the Movie Nights YouTube channel this Friday, I'm going to be I'm going to start doing um, video movie reviews uh, every Friday. One's going to be posted. I'm going to try to go to the movies every Thursday night, and um, I will see it Chapter Two this Thursday and have a video review up on Friday, and hopefully that trend will continue every Friday. And uh, then when we talk about the, when Ryan and I do the podcast on Tuesday, we will go into more deeper discussion of the film that I watched on Thursday, and because hopefully by then Mr. Warner has also seen it. Uh, Mr. Warner is also bringing his own uh, special treat to the channel that he's going to post videos on Wednesday. I won't spoil what he is going to start posting every Wednesday, but uh, we will, or you guys will be able to check it out soon. But uh, we have a lot more cool things coming to the channel, so you know. Be ready for a lot more content to be posted, and eventually we'll get back to our franchise spotlight. We just had to put that on hold because of all the changes going around in our studio. But now with that all out of the way, let's get right into the stuff we have planned for today. Uh, This first article comes to us via Deadline. Uh, Taika Waititi is in talks for a role in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, or Suicide Squad 2, whatever the hell it's going to be called. Um, this is obviously very exciting news. Uh, you know, Taika Waititi also being a part of the MCU Marvel family, much like James Gunn, and just Taika Waititi, you know, first of all, what an amazing creative force to have just on your set in general. You know, he's he's a great writer, he's a fantastic director, and as a performer, he consistently knocks it out of the park, is consistently very, very funny. Um, I am sure that his role in Suicide Squad will be sort of a comedic relief or comedic route. Um, there's no details about what character he's playing or if he's going to be like a CGI character like Korg or if he's going to be like actually just himself. Uh, we don't know any of that yet, but uh, some of the famous roles you might know Taika from. He directed and stars in What We Do in the Shadows. He plays one of the lead vampires in the movie. And he also was Korg in Thor Ragnarok and directed Thor Ragnarok. But it's awesome to see him come on as a performer in the new Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn is making. I'm very, very excited to see what he does, and I'm just really excited for that film in general. Uh, James Gunn seems to be having the time of his life. He's been very interactive on Twitter recently with fans talking just about how excited he is for the movie and, you know, everything that he plans on doing. And uh, I, like I said, I'm really excited for the film, and I'm even more excited now that we have Taika Waititi involved in the project. But I I, I kind of want to spark a discussion amongst you guys, all six of you watching, how do you think this is going to play out in terms of the future of the DC movies and just the DC EU, if that's even going to be a thing soon? But uh, basically, what do you guys think this could lead to? Because I'm thinking that Taika, by being an actor in this movie, is also going to make friends over at Warner Brothers, and that potentially we could see Taika Waititi direct a DC film, or even see some DC directors come and direct some Marvel films. Because if you want to count Joss Whedon on Justice League... This is the second time an MCU director is going to be helming 
a DC project, although it's the first time James Gunn is fully doing it by himself and making it big. Now, it did come from some controversy because he was fired from Disney for a little bit, even though he has been since rehired. Uh, I think this could open up potentially great doors to see, you know, directors like Taika Waititi come over and direct a DC movie, and then you could even get people like maybe Jon Favreau, who's working with Taika on The Mandalorian, or say the Russo brothers or anything, or even, you know, flip it. Maybe Patty Jenkins goes and finally gets to direct a Marvel movie because she was fired from Thor 2. Or, you know, cross our fingers and hope that the Lord himself, Zack Snyder, can go and direct a Marvel movie. You know, I just, I want to see more interaction. I want to see, you know, the the dumb fanboys who think that they're constantly pitted against each other. Marvel and DC, that is. I want to see that that die. And I want to see these studios be more open to, you know, crossovers in the sense of just behind the scenes like directors being able to jump from one to the other and direct the kind of films that they want to make just I want to see the comic book movie genre thrive and I think that by Taika just starring in this film and by James Gunn directing the film it really opens up that possibility now hey this could literally turn into nothing James Gunn could be the last Marvel director to go direct a DC movie but I I personally think this is going to spark a bigger eventual lead up to having more MCU directors go and direct DC films and vice versa. I'm really hoping that, you know, we get to see more cross-platforming happen on a directorial standpoint or even an acting standpoint. Put, put Paul Rudd in a DC movie, please. We honestly, part of that's just I want more Paul Rudd and everything. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really hoping that this leads into something else and, uh, you know, we'll see. But like I said, uh, I know I'm getting repetitive at this point, but I just want to reiterate that I'm really excited that Tyke is in this movie. I'm really happy that James Gunn is directing it. And I'm really, really looking forward to the fact that this could potentially open the door for more, you know, just a, a flowing pool of creativity amongst the comic book movie world, especially with new um, types of comic book movies coming around like Warner Brother and DC's Joker, which is going to lead us into our next story. I'm sure that you've heard the news by now. Joker has had its premiere at the Venice Film Festival, and my god, it has been getting mostly just glowing reviews, but not just like, oh, this movie's really good, it's been getting Masterpiece, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5s from many, many different sources, both Variety, Hollywood Reporter, IGN, tons of people are loving this film. Now, not everyone, there have been some outlets that have criticized the film, um, especially for its um, they, they, some of the criticisms I personally read is that they didn't like the way they use social commentary or not, not the way they used it, but they didn't think it was very well done. And they didn't like the fact that, um, the movie seems to be trying to be a commentary on, you know, culture and fantasizing violence when it actually is participating in that. But, you know, we're gonna have to wait and see the movie for ourselves to make that assumption and to see, you know, what people are saying and if it has any value. But uh, for the most part, it's been getting glowing, phenomenal reviews, and um, no surprise, but many of these reviews are giving credit to Joaquin Phoenix and uh, apparently a masterful and Oscar-worthy performance. I even saw one review that said, you might as well start sketching his name in the trophy now. So that's really exciting to see. Um, obviously, like I said, we're not going to be able to know until we see the film for ourselves. It releases October 4th, but um, it's, I'm really excited to see that this movie has been getting a lot of high praise. And um, not just high praise, but praise from people like at the Venice Film Festival, people who are in the, you know, high praise filmmaking circuit, you know, things that are going to get at serious awards contention. It's clearly what it's going for. And, you know, the fact that 
you know, the buzz has happened this early. I hope it doesn't peak and then it becomes cool to hate the movie because we see that happen to one movie at least every year. And I hope Joker's not that movie. But um, I really hope I enjoy it when it comes out. I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, similar to what I said before about just something potentially opening the door to make something more awesome, I hope that this potentially opens the door to Marvel doing just one-off movies that don't take place in the universe where we just get a, a dark or... Well, I, I hate when people overuse the word dark, but a more adult R-rated type of film, you know, because if, you know, the MCU was in charge of Fox w- three years ago, we would have never gotten Logan. Um, and with Warner Brothers making this bold move of just this standalone R-rated film, it supposedly has worked out in their favor. You know, we also have to look at the box office and judge the movie for ourselves when it comes out. But uh, I hope, like I said, I hope that this is a trendsetter because things like this, things like Joker, Logan, The Dark Knight, things that transcend the genre consistently is what's going to keep the comic book movie genre alive. You know, if it continues down a path of being repetitive or, um, you know, like Thor 2. I'm going to use Thor 2 as an example. If every comic book movie since 2013 was like the Thor 2 of comic book movies where it was pretty good, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either, then people would get sick of them very quickly. Now, Marvel has been killing it with their cinematic universe and just you know, creating an end point and then walking you slowly upwards towards that end point and then killing it climactically with Avengers Endgame. And I think that they're going to do it all over again with their new phase and especially mixing it in with the Disney Plus television shows. But, you know, um, there's other competition like Warner Brothers and DC who have to do their own thing. And they're clearly, you know, hey, we have a universe. It didn't work out well the first time, although we've been slowly been fixing it with Aquaman and Shazam and then Wonder Woman 1984 coming out soon. But also... We're going to take the time to invite brilliant filmmakers to use our comic book characters to make a one-off movie to be a slow, dramatic character piece that could potentially bring Academy Awards. And not only are you are you piquing the interest of great filmmakers, but you're also piquing the interest of great actors, actors like Joaquin Phoenix. And now on the Marvel side with Eternals, you have people like Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek joining Marvel movies. And... Part of it is just because of how critically acclaimed and how great these movies have been, but also that we're going to get several different types of comic book films. And, you know, the more they diversify, the more that they make themselves different, the longer this craze of comic book films is going to last. And I want it to last for a very long time. You know, people have been saying for like 10 years now, like, oh, one day fatigue will set in and some every time one flops, like every time there's a Dark Phoenix or a Hellboy, they say, oh, look, it's failing and, you know, forgetting that. There were six other movies that came out that completely killed it at the box office. But um, one day, people will get tired of it. One day it'll happen. But I think that day comes when they start to get stale, repetitive, and not be very good movies. Because I think, more than anything, audiences get sick of good movies. or I'm, I'm sorry, get sick of bad movies than a certain type of genre. Which I think why horror has made such a resurgence in the past few years is because there have been some really fucking good horror movies that have come out. And um, for a while there, horror wasn't very good, and therefore audiences stopped going. But over the past few years, you get movies like Hereditary, like Don't Breathe, like The Conjuring, like um, I know some people enjoyed Midsummer, not me personally, but you get films like that that consistently bring out that horror audience to come back repeatedly. And even on, you're getting great horror television shows now, you know, and I think that the fact that that genre keeps, you know, evolving and changing, that more people are seeing those types of films. So as long as the comic book movie genre can do the same thing and maintain consistent 
great filmmaking and diversifying the types of films it's making, we're going to see it be the dominant genre for a little bit longer, you know, whether you're a fan of that or not. But I'm just a fan of good movies, so as long as they keep being good, I'm going to keep paying to go see them. And let's face it, I'm just a comic book fan, so I'll probably pay to see them even if I hear they're really bad. But uh, moving on to our next story, and this will probably be our last story unless my brain wanders even more. The show's much slower when I don't have a person to, you know, bounce off of and reiterate what I say. You know, I should prep a lot more just in case I am by myself, but hey, no one's perfect. But uh, our last story comes to us from Variety. Um, On this show, over the past few weeks, you know, we've been covering um, Christopher Nolan's Tenet and, you know, how stoked we are for the movie, how they've been very cryptic as to what it is. But um, something else that we can say is that it's added to its already pretty all-star cast. Um, yesterday's Himish Patel has joined the cast of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Now, there have not been any, um, what, what is it called? There haven't been any details about what the role is, much like the rest of the film. It's been very, very quiet and under wraps, but this is, you know, it's never a good idea to add talent. And while I personally didn't love the movie yesterday, and Ryan hates, hates that because it's his favorite movie of the year so far, but while I personally didn't love the movie I thought he was fantastic, and that was like his first major role, I believe. And, you know, to come out the gate with a performance like he had in that movie is unreal, regardless. So, you know, seeing that Christopher Nolan, and, you know, and Christopher Nolan has an eye for talent, you know, he makes what seems like very weird choices, and they always turn out great, you know. No one thought Heath Ledger was going to be a good Joker, and he won an Oscar for it. People raised their eyebrows when Harry Styles was cast in Dunkirk, and he was one of the better performers in that film. Albeit his role was small, but I think that... You know, no one knew what he was casting for. And, you know, and like I said, this cast is already pretty fucking stacked. I mean, you got Himish Patel, you got John David Washington, Elizabeth Becky, Robert Pattinson, Michael Caine, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Kenneth Branagh. It's, it's just crazy. (laughs) Holy shit, I sneezed, excuse me. But, um... Yeah, no, um, I'm really looking forward to Tenet. Um, Christopher Nolan's my favorite filmmaker working today, which I've said ad nauseum on this show. But, uh, you know, like I said, never a bad idea to add talent, and adding Himish Patel to this film is a great idea. And, you know, I, I, I'm just... When is this movie coming out already? Like, just give me Tenet. I'm ready. <laughs> like, stop with this shit of just, you know, oh, it takes 10 years to make a movie. God damn it. Go faster. I mean, obviously, I'm saying that. I'm joking. But, you know, I just... I really love films, and it's, you know, the hype train. You know, you ride the hype train for years until you finally get to see it. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and scroll through some brand new news topics now to see if there's anything interesting that we can pull up. And, oh, wow. All right, I'm pulling up something right now from Variety. Let's see. The headline says this. Summer box office slips 2% despite Disney hits. We're Oh, there's my phone going off. How unprofessional of you, Dalton Jesus. Let's see. Apparently between May and August, $4.32 billion in ticket sales in North America marks a 2% decline from last year's. Oh, it was just from May and August. I think that we're going to go up when the whole year's over. Yeah, it talks about how low the summer box office was in 2017, or $3.84 I'd love to have that problem, to say that that's a low number. Jesus. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I still think that by the end of the year, it's going to be 
an improvement over last year just because the summer is 2% lower. I think it's just because August performed quite below expectations for everyone. And the fact that uh, the way the films are spread out, a lot of people just kind of save their money for Endgame and then that was it for them. But uh, I, I think with the you know use of movie subscription services like you know um, AMC's, Regal's, Cinemark's, that you know they've been really getting people to go out to the movies more, especially people who are avid movie fans. And it's just one of those things that it's a great time to be a movie fan. You know, AMC A list has certainly changed my life. I loved it, and it was all crazy how that started with Movie Pass. Like, do you remember the headlines? Like, Movie Pass changed its thing to ten dollars a month and people were like are you fucking serious and then it turns out that it was a shady ass company that had was like kind of selling data and being horrific to customers and they were trying to get a big subscription base just to try to hard arm theaters into getting a piece of their concession sales then amc was like yeah fuck you guys here's our own and then a million people have signed up for it since then it's crazy and then regal we knew Regals was coming because they're owned by Cineworld and they've been doing movie subscription plans in Europe for like 10 years. So they kind of, you know, checked the market, calculated what's going to be the right call, and they signed up. And I don't remember the source, but there was a source inside Regal who said that the numbers that they had projected were doubled on the sign-up day. So that's nothing but a good sign for Regal. And Cinemark's plan, it's pretty, it's, it's you know, it's something. It's uh, It's not nothing, you know. Most movie tickets around the world, you know, there are certain places where it's like 15 bucks, and if you sign up for Cinemarks, you know, your tickets are only 8 bucks or 9 bucks for life, so that's not bad either. It's not as good as the other two, but I mean, technically it's not nothing, although if you ask me, I still think AMC's is the best, second place being Regal, third being Cinemark. But still, you know, I, I think this is the future. I think this is the way that, that ticket sales are going to go from now on, and, you know, it's going to be a matter of time before, you know, People working in the box office is irrelevant and everything's online or at kiosks anyway. And then, you know, with the mixture of that and movie subscription plans and just subscriptions for everything in general, whether it's streaming services, music like Spotify or even movies now, I think it's going to benefit the market and it's going to make people, um, consumers especially, more happy. It's going to make the theaters more happy because when you don't spend money on tickets, you spend money on food and that's where you get your money from if you're a movie theater. And it's going to make distributors happy because more people are going to the movies in general. And hopefully in the long run, if everyone signs up for subscription plans, because I know if you do AMC A-List, every time you make a reservation, it counts as an $8.99 ticket purchase. So hopefully if that's the case, and then they can start lowering you know, ticket prices all around just to incentivize people to not only sign up for the movie subscription plans, but also if you don't have it, it's still not crazy expensive. Because for some reason, there was this horrible trend of, oh, less and less people are going to the movies, so how about we just increase ticket prices to get the loyal fans even more mad so less people come next year? And then finally, some people started realizing, like, hey, if we just get people to come to the movies, then it's going to be more beneficial for everyone. Let's not punish the people who like coming. Let's reward them for coming. That's where you get these subscription plans coming from in the first place. So I think that that's a wonderful thing. And, uh... I rambled on that for a while, and I'm very, very sorry. But, uh, yeah, no, that's that's about 20 minutes. Hey, we did it, guys. We did it solo. Um, thank you for listening. Um, I'm excited about the new things coming to the channel. And um, next week, I know last week I said that by next week we'd have video. We'll see if that promise is fucking true or not. 
But uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.